Take your Bibles. Let's go to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter number one. Ephesians in chapter number one this morning. Ephesians chapter number one. We're going to start reading here in just a moment. Verse number one. And we're going to go all the way down um, to verse number 14. So Ephesians chapter one, verse one, all the way down to verse 14. If you're not there yet, catch up when you get there. It says, Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, and to the praise of of glory, of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. Take a breath right there, okay? In whom ye also trusted. After that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that you would use your word in our lives, and in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said together, Amen. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Not long ago, uh, Amanda and I were on a date. We were standing in the concession line waiting to get some items for the evening. Amanda was standing a few feet away from me, and I was just kind of looking around, you know, noticing what was around us. People watching, uh, you know, people who were coming and going, looking at the menu, trying to decide what it was that I wanted to enjoy for the evening. And out of the corner of my eye, I, I noticed Amanda just staring at me. 
I mean, just looking at me. And so I kind of glance out of the corner of my eye. I see you're looking at me, and I kind of do a little double take, and I think, wow, you know? I, mean, I, I wonder what she was thinking. And she, she had a look that was different than like a normal look. You know, normally she's looking and she's saying, you should have shined your shoes or you should have ironed your pants or that outfit doesn't match. You know, that's normally the kind of look that I'm getting. But she was looking at me different and I kind of glance and glance again. I'm thinking, I, I look back at the menu and I think, oh, she's looking at me. She likes what she's looking at. She's probably thinking to herself, how lucky she is to be here with me. She's probably thinking how handsome I am. She, she's probably thinking how strong this shirt makes me look. She's probably thinking all of these things simultaneously right now. And so I, I lean over to her and I say, hey, what are, you, what are you thinking about? And she goes, oh, it's nothing. I go, no, 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 no. Come on, it's something. What are you thinking about? And she goes, oh, no, it's, it's nothing. I said, no, it's, it's something. I can tell you're not looking at me like you normally look at me. You're looking at me different. What is it? What are you thinking? Okay, let me just pull the car over for a second. Now, listen, guys, if your wives or, or your girlfriends are looking at you like this and you think that they're thinking those things, just go with that, okay? <laughs> Don't ask. Don't inquire, just go with whatever it is you think they're thinking. But I did not do this. I, I did not take my own advice. I said, no, you're thinking something. I want to know what it is. And she says, well, I'm thinking if you stood up straight, you would be like two inches taller. <laughs> the rest of the night, I walked around on my tiptoes like this, just... Water around my tiptoes like that. Felt very insecure, right? A lot of times the insecurities that we feel in our life prevent us from having the courage to go after what God has called us to do. The insecurities we wrestle with prevent us from having the courage to step into the purposes, the role, the job that God is calling us to. And when we understand who we are, when we are secure in who Christ has made us to be, then we can better understand who God has called us to be, what God has called us to do, and how it is that God desires to use us. Just a couple of things, just by way of introduction, here it is. First, identity is a central theme in the Scripture. Knowing who you are and knowing who you are in Christ is a very important truth that is being communicated to us all throughout the scriptures. From the moment that mankind was first introduced, God makes sure Adam and Eve know who they are, where they came from 
what image they were made in. He wants them to understand the identity that they have, that they were not just random happenstance. It's not just, they weren't just an accident, but they were created in the image of God himself. And by the way, every person you see is made in the image of God. Every person you look at is made in the image of God. Doesn't matter what they look like. Doesn't matter what color of skin they have. Doesn't matter what country of origin they may be from. It doesn't matter what kind of accent they might talk with. It doesn't even matter how they might smell. Every person was made in the image of God. And as a result of this, every person deserves to be treated as an individual made in the image of God. That how you talk to them. Are you talking to them as image bearers of God? How you interact with them. Are you treating them as image bearers of God? Or are you speaking to them in condescending ways or harsh ways or angry ways? Every person deserves to be treated with the worth and the value that they have. And that worth and value is not found in our performance. That worth or value is found in that we are made in the image of God. God made you exactly how God wanted you to be made. He tells Jeremiah, I brought you together in your mother's womb and I did so for a particular purpose for the way in which I want to use you. I used to go to bed every night praying, God, please let me be six foot, 10 inches tall because my favorite basketball player was six foot, 10 inches tall. I missed it by a few inches, just so you know. But God made me how he wanted me to be made. And God made you how he wanted you to be made. The scripture goes out of its way to help us understand who we are and who we are in light of what God has done for us. So identity is a central theme in the scripture. But let me say, secondly, identity is a central theme in our culture. I think it's fair to say that the primary moral value in our culture today is live out your identity. Be true to who you are. Be true to yourself and don't let anyone else tell you who you ought to be. And now this is very confusing and this is very confusing right now because there are over a hundred possible identities that you could have. And so which one of those are you supposed to be? Are you supposed to be a different one on a different day? And is, is it all just subject to the way in which we feel? And this brings us to the question at hand in the book of Ephesians. How do I know who I am? How do I know the identity that I have? How can I be secure in who God has made me to be in order that I might do what God has created and called me to do? And there are really three truths from this passage to help us understand that. Now, I would tell you this. this there, there, are, there are many more truths in this passage, and we're not going to plumb the depths of every verse that we just read. There's so much here, but I'm going to give you three just to, across the top of the surface, and I'll 
let the Lord and his spirit impress on your heart which one of those truths you need to go and dig out yourself and use as you navigate this season of your life. So three things. Notice number one, I am who God says I am. I am who God says that I am. This is what he writes in in verse number one. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and notice this phrase, to the saints which are at Ephesus. And then notice this, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. So it's very interesting because the beginning part of this verse, you'll notice how many times Paul uses this phrase, in Christ He uses it in verse 1, in Christ Jesus. He tells us in verse number 3 that we are blessed by God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we have been given these spiritual blessings which exist for us in heavenly places. Verse number 3, in Christ He tells us in verse number five that we've been predestined to the adoption of the children. Why? Because of Christ. He tells us in verse number seven that in whom, in Christ, we have received this redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins because of Christ and that he has made us accepted, notice verse six, in the beloved, which is in Christ. And he does this all the way through this text. Verse 10, you'll find the same idea. It is all the way through the text. He is reminding us who we are in Christ. And did you know that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, Christ came into you? That's what the Bible teaches us. When you put your faith in Jesus, Jesus put his Holy Spirit inside of you. He came in you. The Bible teaches us that in Christ is the fullness of the Godhead. That in Christ dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now listen, if Christ is in you and you are in him, then tell me, what more could you possibly need? What more could you possibly need in this life? But see, it is not until that you realize this truth, that we're in Christ, that Christ is in us, that we can have this healthy self-image, this biblical self-image, this security given to us from Christ for us. And Christ came into you. Christ came to us. Why? Because he loves us. That God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I want to tell you very straightforwardly, Christ loves you. And he loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you with a steadfast love. He loves you with an eternal love. He loves you with a consistent love. He loves you with a sticky kind of love. He loves you in a way of which he will never turn back his love for us. This is the way in which Christ loves us. And Paul says when he comes to realize how it is how much it is that Christ loves us. That is the love of Christ that constraineth me. Paul says, when I realized how much Christ loved me and all that Christ did for me, it constrained me, it tied me up. 
This is what's happening even in this text. Because when you get to chapter 4 of the book of Ephesians, what you'll find is Paul says, now here I want to tell you about some things, some ways to walk worthy of your calling. He said, I'm going I'm to point out some things that you ought to be doing in your life. But listen very closely. Before Paul ever corrects their behavior, Paul strengthens their identity. Before Paul ever corrects their behavior, Paul strengthens their identity. Before you get to chapter 4, you have to go through chapter 1. And in chapter 1, he is saying, this is who you are in Christ. So listen very closely. I am who God says I am. And who does he say that we are? Well, he says that in Christ, we are chosen. Look at verse number 4. According as he hath chosen us in him. Do you remember that feeling when you were growing up? At, at recess or in PE class when everyone was picking teams? And there's this self-consciousness, right? There's this anxiety that happens while everyone else is getting picked. And you're sitting there waiting for your name to be called hoping that someone chooses you, hoping that someone calls your name. Just wait. And there's this, there's this heaviness that sits on you while you wait to be chosen. And then the moment someone calls your name, I'll take Dave on my team. Whew, all the weight goes off, right? All the weight goes off. Well, listen to what it says. In Christ, he hath chosen you. There are some people who are living their entire life waiting to be chosen, wanting someone to choose them. And they're living their life just waiting to be named. And there's this heaviness. There's this anxiety. There's this self-consciousness that they have. Why? Because they're waiting, waiting, waiting to be chosen. And what Paul says is, you and I have been chosen in Christ. And culturally, we think that the identity that we have is something that we choose. But biblically, what we realize is, no, we are chosen. That is our identity. And that's a big difference. It's not that you and I get to choose our identity. No, we are chosen in Christ. And that is the identity that we live out. Who does, Paul, who does God say I am? He says that you are chosen. That's not all he says. He also says that you and I are holy in Christ without blame. Notice what he says in verse 4, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And some of us are living under the weight of blame. And maybe it's the blame that somebody else put on you Maybe it's when you were younger, you were made to feel as if something was your fault. And so you've been carrying this blame around with you. Maybe it, in fact, was your fault. And, and maybe you blame yourself. And you're walking around with this weight of blame. By the way, blame typically shows up in, in anger or defensiveness, withdrawing from others. But blame is always attached to something that we did you did this. You are the one to be blamed. 
But identity in Scripture is not based on something that you and I did. Our identity in Scripture is based on something that Christ did for us. You see, we are not blameless because we are blameless. No, we're blameless because Jesus was blameless and we are in Jesus and Jesus is in us. The righteousness that he earned is a righteousness given to us. He fulfilled the law at every point and he does not wave that in our face and go, ah, look what I did, but you can't do. No, he fulfilled the righteousness of God and then he willingly laid his life down on the cross for us. And he offers to us his righteousness and he takes from us our guilt and sin and shame and death. And he makes this glad exchange. Hebrews said he was, it was joy for him. He considered it joy to go to the cross and die for us. Why? Because he loves us. That's why. I am who God says I am. I'm chosen. I'm blameless. Third, I'm adopted. This is what he says. I'm, I'm adopted. Look, look, look at verse number five. Having, predestined, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. It's not a begrudging from him to bring us into his family. It was his good pleasure to take us out of the family of the devil and bring us into the family of God. He adopted us. Adoption changes the conversation because the question is not, who am I? The question becomes, whose am I? I am belong to him. He belongs to me. I'm his child. He's my father. That in Christ, I am adopted. In Christ, you are adopted. You're chosen, blameless, adopted, redeemed. That in Christ I am redeemed. Verse 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. In Christ I am redeemed. I am forgiven. So he takes what is broken, he turns it for good. He takes what's lost and he purchases it. He brings it back into his possession. This is what he is saying is true about you. This is what he is saying is true about me. That if we are going to live in the security of who we have been made to be, then we must recognize that I am who God says I am. And here's the problem. The problem is that we have all kinds of other voices filling our hearts and minds with all these different identities. And so you have to decide who will determine my identity? Who will determine who I am and who I, who I will be? It's very interesting because he says this phrase. Go back to verse number one. He says, to the saints which are at Ephesus. 
We're in Christ at Ephesus. But we are not in Ephesus. We are not in the culture. We, 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 we live in this world, but we are not of this world. We, we navigate the seasons of our life, the, the cultural demands of our day, but, but we, we are not determined. We are not directed. We are not subscribing ourselves to the culture of the day. We are aware of the cultural trends, but we are not consumed by the cultural trends. Why? Because we're in Christ at Ephesus. We are not in Ephesus. And there are many people who struggle with this. They believe that they are in Ephesus. They're in the culture. They're trying to be like everyone else, but we are not like everyone else. We are who God says we are. And so we have a choice to make. You have a choice to make. I remember in fourth grade, I had a, I had a teacher, Mrs. Craig, who loved making labels. She, she had one of these... Um, these old-fashioned label makers. I mean, it wasn't old-fashioned then. It was like cutting-edge technology back then. But she had these little old-fashioned, she had this, this, this label maker. You, you know, you see this little, little thing about this big, and you'd type in whatever you wanted to say, and it would print this little label, and then it would cut it off. you peel the sticker, and then you could label it. And she labeled everything in her classroom. And she had labeled pencil box, you know? And she later trash. She labeled desk. She labeled graded papers, labeled Papers to be graded, right? Everything was labeled. And when she ran out of stuff to label, she started labeling us. I remember walking out of class one day and she walked by, she put a, a sticker on my shoulder. I, I was in fourth grade, so I was, I was too cool for school then. I remember not thinking anything about it, so I just kind of walked by. I got outside, I, I looked down at the sticker on my sleeve right here and it said, Creative. Wow, creative. I like it. I think that was a way of saying a talker in class. I think that's what that meant. Right? Remember a few weeks went by. She's at her desk. She gets her little label maker out. She types up her little label maker. She gets a label. She walks right. I'm doing my work. She walks right by the desk. She takes the sticker. She sticks it right on my shoulder. She gives me another label. She sticks the label on my shoulder and it says leader. And I remember thinking, yeah. I like that. Look, guys, I got the leader sticker. Everyone has to do what I say, right? That's, I remember thinking that. It, thankfully, Miss Craig put good labels on us. But not everyone puts good labels on us. Failure. A problem. Rebellious worthless. We get labeled. You see, you have a choice to make in this life. Which, which, where will you get your identity? Which label will you claim as yours? The label that the world and the culture puts on you? The label that others put on you? Or the label that Christ has put on you? Chosen, blameless, adopted, 
redeemed, forgiven, loved. This is the label that God, through Christ, has placed on every one of us. I am who God says I am. I am who God says I am. But there's a second truth, and I want you to write it down. It's really found, verse number 13, verse number 14. And here's the second truth. I have what God says I have. I have what God says I have. So look at verse number 13. In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. You see, when you believed in Christ, when you believed in the price that Christ paid for us on the cross, you were identified, you were sealed, you were marked. It was a way of God saying, you are mine. The Bible says he puts his spirit inside of us so that we belong to him. I remember 23 years ago now, I withdrew my life savings from the bank. I went to the jewelry store and I said to the jeweler, I want to buy an engagement ring for my soon-to-be fiancé. And the jeweler says, well, you've come to the right place. He gets this little black velvet rag or cloth out, and he lays it down. He gets this little black velvet bag. He opens it up, and he pours all these diamonds out. And he gives me this little magnifying glass, and we, we start looking at all of these diamonds. And he starts talking about the, 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 the kind of diamond that I want. And he talks about the, the color of a diamond. He talks about the, the clarity of a diamond. He, he talks about the, the carrot of the diamond. He talks about the cut of the diamond. I couldn't care about any of those things. I care less about any of those things. All I cared about was the cost of the diamond. I said, sir, I, listen. This is all the money I have in my whole life. So how, what kind of diamond can this money get me? And he goes, I'm going to take care of you. Takes that money, takes a diamond, puts it in the ring, wraps it up in the box, places it in the bag. I remember taking that box, sticking it into my pocket. Remember later that week, a man and I had a, a date night we had planned. So I took her to a restaurant, sat on the Ohio River, overlooked the city of Louisville, I remember the whole night, I'm, I'm putting my hand in my pocket the whole night. Oh, is that box still there? Did it fall out? I want to make sure the box is still there. I didn't enjoy my meal at all. I was so nervous. Took Amanda out. We, I said, let's walk out onto the deck. And she goes, okay. So we walk out onto the deck and, you know, we're, we're overlooking the, the, the city and the river and it's pretty. And she's looking at the thing. She's like, oh, so pretty. What she does, I, I get down on my knee. I get the box out. I open the box. And then I sing Amanda a song that I wrote for her. Don't ask me to sing it. (laughs) 
You've probably heard the song, though. It goes like this. Baby, baby, baby. Oh, no, no, that wasn't it. That was it. That was, that was not the song I wrote. I sing Amanda this song, and I, I slide the ring onto her finger. I say, Amanda, will you marry me? I slide the ring onto her finger. And I remember she's like, oh, my goodness. Oh, oh, oh. I'm like, is that a yes? Is that a no? And I'm like, you're just taking my ring and running? What's happening? Slide the ring onto her finger. She says, yes. I told Amanda, I said, hey, baby, I, I want you to know if, if you ever doubt my love for you, if you ever try to call me and you can't get a hold of me, if you ever message me and I don't message you back right away, if I've ever gone on a trip and I don't call and check in, if you ever, if you're ever at a, at a you know, a worrisome spot in our relationship. We're arguing. I, I just want you to know this. I want you to look down at your finger and I want you to be reminded that I am giving you everything I have. It's everything I have. And it's my proof to you that I love you. You see, friend, Christ has given us everything he has. And if you ever wonder whether he loves you, if you're ever doubting, if you're ever calling out to him in prayer and it doesn't seem as if he's answering, if you're ever feeling insecure in who you are, if you're ever wondering if you can do what he's calling you to do, what he's saying to us is look down, not at your finger, but look down in your heart. I have given you a seal. You belong to me and I belong to you. You have everything I have. It's a proof of his love. I am who God says I am. I have what God says I have. And third one and last. I belong where God says I belong. I belong where God says I belong. Our relationship with Christ is one of acceptance. Our relationship with God is one of acceptance. He has accepted us through Christ. Remember what God said about Jesus there in Matthew chapter 3? God says about Jesus, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And if God was well pleased in Christ, and if I am in Christ and Christ is in me, then listen, then I am accepted in Christ. You belong. You belong. There are many times and many things in our lives that will cause us to question, to wonder, to doubt. There are all kinds of things that want to label us and there are all kinds of people that want to put a label on us. And you have a choice. And the choice you have is will you accept what God says about you or will you accept what others say about you? Will you find your identity in Christ at Ephesus 
Or do you find your identity in Ephesus? In the culture, in the world? Friend, let us live out the identity we have in Christ.